This is Cruise Radio. Now more than ever, you should consider trip insurance for any kind of trip you take, not just cruises. Get a free quote at tripinsurance.com. Broadcasting from the tripinsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Cruise Radio. Hey, how's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. Very happy to have you here. Going to do things a little bit different this week as we have been the past few weeks as the cruise lines ramp up and begin to put their ships back into service. Coming up on this show, we'll talk to Carnival Cruise Lines President Christine Duffy, Carnival's brand ambassador, John Heald, and the drink guy, yeah, the vice president of beverage operations, Eddie Allen. They'll all join us later on in the show. Had a chance to speak with them while on the sixth night sailing. But before we get to the important people, we're going to talk with staff writer Richard Sims. He has about five or six questions to ask me about the sailing and some thoughts. And I'm going to kind of kick around some ideas and my experience with him. Uh, By the way, if you're looking for the news, Cruise Radio News, it's opposite of this, the daily three things you need to know. You can also find that on YouTube as well on the Cruise Radio YouTube channel. All right, staff writer Richard Sims is here. Hello, Richard. Hey, Doug. All right, man. As always, it's all yours. Ah, this is my favorite part when I get to finally take over. So I think I speak on behalf of most people when I say, you know, we're all incredibly jealous of you because since cruising has returned, you've done two cruises in a row. Last time was Edge. Now we're going to be talking about Carnival Horizon. Um, You did a series of really awesome trip reports that people can go to the site and see, and I'm sure you'll link them in the comments as well. So let's focus today a little bit on some of the, you know, the, the things that people are most interested in, the things that people are most talking about as far as what's changed and what's not changed with the return to service. And I think the first thing that comes to mind really probably is the muster drill. So how was that handled on Carnival Horizon? Yes, yeah, so this is probably, uh, as I said on Celebrity Edge last week when I was sailing and I was saying that everything felt so normal, everything felt so normal on this as well. But this is one of the things that they tweaked that is uh, actually for the better. And I think uh, I speak on behalf of probably most everyone when I say that this e-muster thing is amazing. So you walk on board the ship, you make sure you have the fun app downloaded, you open it, you watch the videos and see where your muster station is. And then you just go check in. After you watch the videos, they scan your card, ask you have any questions and boom, you're off to the races. It It was like under three minutes from start to finish. Which is very smart because um, one of the things we found out is that if you're on the ship and let's say, you know, everybody loves to go get a drink when they first get on board, go ahead, get that drink. You can even get a second, but try and get a third Mm -hmm. and they're going to shut your card down until you go and do your musters drill. Yeah. And I think it's a good idea because, you know, it kind of prevents it doesn't kind of it does prevent those announcements over and over again. If you haven't checked into your muster station, do it now. Um, That was probably five or six times on my sailing. So uh, I think that two drink cutoff, like, hey, you can do two things and your card is deactivated. It definitely speeds things along. But speaking of drinks, one of the things that people have wondered about is how they handle like the bars and and the bar service. And like, you know, can you just go up to a bar and sit and get a drink and talk to, you know, strangers at the bar, which is one of my favorite things to do? Yeah, 100 percent. I mean, it's the same way. Again, as we were beforehand, the only difference here in the bar situation is that there are QR codes everywhere. So Carnival has them on the tabletops and you basically scan it with your phone. Now, if you don't have your phone with you or whatever reason, you can ask the bartender and they're going to have one for you. I'm sure they have to anyways to be ADA compliant. 
So you can ask the bartender for a menu, but they're trying to encourage you know, as few touch points as necessary. So you can scan it and look at the menu wherever you are on the ship. So you can look at the Havana bar menu from you know, walking, leaving your stateroom or laying on your bed, just scrolling on your phone. So that's kind of a good thing there. As far as like social distancing and all that stuff, um, not really the case because like Celebrity, the week before, it was sailing at 95% vaccinated. And I think 3% over the 95% were kids. So really, you're at 2% um, with just under 3,000 passengers. So all that to say, it was totally normal at the bar. And I think a little bit of normalcy goes a long way these days. I have to agree. One place that we know they made changes was in the casino. And this was kind of a big change, if you ask me. And that was the removal of the casino bar, which is one of my favorite places to hang out. But that's gone now, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're not the only one. In fact, you could actually, when you walk through there, see the the new red carpet they put in place where the casino bar was. It's like a brand new, the colors don't match. We'll just say that. But they, <laughs> yeah, they did put eight slot machines there. And at the end of the day, look, we can say we took it out to avoid crowding, but it's all revenue management because eight slot machines, they know how much one slot machine is going to bring in. If they can put eight there, clearly those eight machines are bringing in more than the bar brought in in a 24-hour period or even a whole cruise. Now, I normally don't walk through the casino, but I did on this cruise for this reason only. And that's because I wanted to see if those slot machines were being used as much as I thought they were going to be used. And every time I walked through there, except when I walked on the ship, um, there were eight people playing those machines. So I'm thinking those machines probably brought in more than a bar would bring in. Well, and they also, they're, they're big, splashy machines. You know, they didn't just mm -hmm. put any slot machines there. They put in the big ones with the lights and the flashing, and they're, they're attention-getting machines. And, of course, the other reason is everybody knows that if you've been on one of the carnival ships that has a casino bar, it is where the smokers gather. You know, mm -hmm. they, they're not gambling. They're not, you know, they're, they're, they're just there to smoke and drink. So if you can replace that, those two things that aren't really generating money with actual money generating machines, that seems like a win for the, for the, for the, for the cruise line, if not necessarily for the smokers who lose yet another area. Well, I will say this though, on the port side, of the casino, you could still smoke. So on the left side, you're able to smoke over there. And there are still, I did notice a quite a few, um, I'm getting them confused with Vegas because I was like, you know, I walked off of uh, a carnival ship and was in Vegas, you know, five hours later. But <laughs> there were a lot of cocktail servers as well on the, um, well, both Vegas and uh, on the carnival ship though, in the casino. So the bar might not be there. The bar service is still there. I think the only difference there is that you could, like, they're supposedly, and it depends on how much they enforce it, that you can only smoke in the casino if you are gambling is the rule. Yeah, Whereas I think that's, that's at the bar, yeah. you know, people just stood at the bar and smoked. It was it was kind of a congregating area. Mm -hmm. What about sort of the outside areas of the ship? Anything different there that people would need to know about? You know what? Again, everything goes back to kind of 16 months ago, right, where the chairs were in the same places. There weren't as many chairs because there was just under 3,000 on this sailing. And when all the berths are full, it holds um, close to 5,000 people. So it was about uh, you know 70% capacity, I believe, is the number they're going with. There wasn't really any fighting for the uh, deck chairs in the morning or anything like that. But uh, as far as like if they were being distanced or anything like that. Again, kind of throwing back to early 2020 when things were kind of normal. Same way with the back, same way with the Havana area, Serenity and all those places. It was just, yeah, it just felt good to escape the world for a little while. With Edge, you were sailing at around 38, 40% capacity. And here mm -hmm. you were sailing at around 70% capacity. 
um, did you did you notice any difference in how that made you or maybe people that you talked to feel? Like thirty eight percent capacity is pretty low. You know, that's that's like kind of like basically having a ghost ship. Whereas seventy percent is a little closer to normal, and I can imagine it might feel a little bit different for people who are still sort of you know working their way back into the world and a maskless society. Yeah, it's actually interesting because, and I mean this with no disrespect to celebrity. Um, because everyone's kind of doing their phase in at their own pace, but traveling with 1147 people, I believe on edge, it was, it was a ghost, ghost ship. Um, selfishly, it was nice because you could go and (laughs) get a drink or get whatever you want and not have to wait for anyone. They were like dying for you to get there, (laughs) um, to serve someone, the, uh, the crewer, but carnival cruise line, it's a cruise line that's based on a fun atmosphere. So there's like this camaraderie of everyone having a good time and, the energy, there's synergy, everything's kind of flowing, right, on the sail away party and things like that, but not so much on this sailing. I mean, it was still a really good time, well worth the money, but it just wasn't, you know, your typical carnival fun experience. Now, starting out, you know, that, that's probably a good thing, but I didn't notice, like, you know, the big competitions by the pool or the uh, mixology contest and things like that. And little things I noticed weren't there either, like the the wine tastings and the whiskey tastings and things like that. But I was speaking with Eddie, um, and he was uh, he's the vice president of Beverage Ops, and he was actually telling me that those things will be slowly phased in, but you just need to get these ships going and get the crew, you know, firing on all cylinders because, like us, they haven't been working or cruising for 15 months either. Okay, and the last thing I really think people talk a lot about and have questions about is what the protocols are with shore excursions. Of course, some lines are saying, you know, you need to be in the protective bubble and can only book something through the ship so that they can control where you're going and who you're interacting with. Others are not, you know, following that same protocol. So how was the how were the shore excursions as far as Carnival Horizon went? Yeah, let me preface this by saying that like everything, it could have changed 10 times since I was there last Friday. So totally, I will say that I spoke to the shore excursion manager and he told me, if you're sailing in the 95% that are vaccinated, you can get off and come and go as you please on the ship. Get, you know, Stay on the ship, go on land, book a tour on your own, whatever you want to do. If you're in that 5%, in order to even get off the ship, you have to book a cruise line sanctioned Shore excursion, okay? A step further, we had to wear a mask um, in Amber Cove, which was one of the ports we went to, and we had to wear a mask on the tender ride between Carnival Horizon and Half Moon Key, so that 15-minute ride back and forth. And that's because you have to go by, the cruise lines are going by the local jurisdiction. For instance, uh, the DR, they're requiring masks right now, so you have to wear it. You know, Unless you were by the pool or if you were eating, you had the mask up. Um, same thing with Half Moon, because you're in the Bahamas jurisdiction. You're technically in a kind of in a crowded space and everything between the ship and Half Moon. Even though you're outside, you know, you're sitting, you're basically touching the other person's leg on the tender boats. They ask you to wear it then. Then when you get on the island, you can kind of take it off. I know it's a little more than you asked me, but so yeah, if you're sailing in that 95 percentile, um, you can come and go as you please on the ship. If you're in that 5 percent, you will have to book a cruise line excursion to get off the ship. Now, in Half Moon, a private destination, and that's the same for Royal Caribbean's um, ha- uh, Perfect Day, it doesn't matter if you are or if you aren't, you could still get off the ship and enjoy the island on your own. But whether you're vaccinated or not, you still have to wear the mask on the tender over to Half Moon. Correct. Here's an interesting question. Mm-hmm. Were you able to tell 
who is vaccinated and who is not. You know, we've read that some cruise lines have like a different color wristband that the unvaccinated guests have to wear, that kind of thing. Um, were you able to tell, knowing that there's 5% on the ship who are unvaccinated, who they were? Um, so if you were to go by someone wearing a mask, you could, but I didn't want to have that uncomfortable conversation of asking someone if they were, you know, I didn't want to approach someone, but there wasn't a, and a Royal has the, um, the wristbands if you are vaccinated that you have to wear. They didn't have anything like that. So yeah, it's I, kind I, of interesting because you can't, you know, yes, if somebody's wearing a mask, then you can assume they're unvaccinated, but you can't know if they're unvaccinated and not wearing the mask, you know, like right. that they're supposed to. Of course, the crew can probably tell because I'm sure it says on their on their cards when they scan it, they would it would say, you know, vaccinated or unvaccinated. But you as a passenger don't necessarily know that the person next to you um, not wearing their mask is vaccinated or not. It's yeah, an interesting and, question. Yeah. And I think there was around I mean, if I'm just doing the math in my head here with two percent of just under 3,000, that's probably what, 50 to 55 people, if you're not including the kids. So that seemed about right as far as the masks I was seeing around the ship. And I think there is even more than that, but I think everyone's at their own comfort level, right? So I could be wearing one or whatever, you know, and I'm, I mean, I'm vaccinated, yeah. but like I could be wearing one just because I'm walking into a the crowded space, like a buffet or whatever. Yeah, I find myself doing that. I'm vaccinated as well, but I find myself doing that all the time is, you know, just depending on the space I'm going into, I might decide that I'd be more comfortable wearing a mask. So you're right. It's it's a little bit difficult to tell. Let me ask you one more question. Um, you know, we're talking about the difference between vaccinated and unvaccinated and protocols and all that. Uh, the, the final area that people have been asking a lot of questions about, and that has been a question since really since the shutdown, is how they handle buffets. Some places are doing self-serve. Some places are saying, no, we're going to serve you. What was the situation here? So the buffet is still self-serve like it was before the shutdown. There was increased crew members there um, that they were kind of changing the – or they weren't kind of. They were changing the utensils out. They were wiping things down more than you saw before the shutdown. I kind of stalked them for a little while just to see what they were doing, like literally sat there and staked out. <laughs> but otherwise, just the increased Perel machines, the hand sanitizer machines, and um, – you know, they're still serving you at the carving station because, uh, well, yeah, it's a big knife there and a hunk of meat and also the bacon because people like to take plates of bacon. So, so far today in this short little interview, you've admitted to stalking the crew and touching people's legs on the tender. Are yes. there any other confessions <laughs> that you'd like to make before we finish? Let's just leave it at that. Okay, that sounds good. And if anybody wants to read, you know, a lot more details and better still get tons of photos. I mean, some, you took some amazing photos and I really enjoyed looking at them all. They're in the trip reports for both Celebrity Edge and Carnival Horizon, both of which um, you can find on the site. You know, what's crazy is you don't realize how many photos you actually take until you're putting all the Google photo albums together. And I think with Celebrity Edge, I was like 1,100 photos. And then Carnival Horizon, there were 1,600 photos. Yeah. And I think about 900 of those were of your desserts. You right. really like taking pictures of dessert. <laughs> But my table mates were like, you just took one. Yeah, but the lighting wasn't right or the angle wasn't right. They're like, oh, my gosh. But yeah. But yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're so, that guy. Yep. Cruiseradio.net. You can find the trip reports there and probably a good 500 photos. At least been talking with staff writer Richard Sims. Thank you so much for uh, interviewing me about Carnival Horizon, the first Carnival Cruise Line ship to sail from Florida. Always glad to. You know that. Coming up, our interview with John Heald, Carnival's brand ambassador, Carnival's president, Christine Duffy, and Eddie Allen, the VP of Beverage Ops for Carnival Cruise Line. 
From the cruise industry shutdown to the restart, we've been with you every step of the way. Online and on demand at cruiseradio.net. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out tripinsurance.com. You're listening to Cruise Radio, the trusted voice of the cruise industry. Joining us now on the show is Carnival Cruise Line President Christine Duffy. Christine, it's been so long. It's so good to finally see you again in it, person. And it's even better that we're on Carnival Horizon when we meet again. Yeah, yeah, finally. So the past 15 months was an incredibly difficult time for the entire industry. How did you deal with it personally? Because it's said, you know, you, you have a lot of people under you. Well, I think we were so focused on what we had to get done. And first and foremost was making sure we could get all of the guests home safely and then the process of repatriating the crew, making sure we could get them home, and that took many months, as you know. And then we immediately shifted from that to working on what was it gonna take to be able to restart. Yeah. And so that was quite a process, as you said, not just for Carnival Cruise Line, but for the industry. And I think we expected that we would have been started sooner, but we're here in July, and as you said, 15 months later, but it's great to be back. Every crew member I've passed, whether it's my cabin steward or someone at the Alchemy Bar or even in the Lido Marketplace, you can tell under their mask, they have this big smile on their face and their eyes are just like glistening and like they're just so much excitement. What are they telling you? I think it's very emotional for many of our crew members who were at home and unlike many people in the U.S. had support from government or unemployment or uh, stimulus Many of our crew didn't have that. And while many of them were able to find some work or get another job for a period of time, they were just waiting for the day that we'd actually be able to be back. And so you're right. They're extremely excited, so ready and so happy to be working again and welcoming guests back on board our ships. So we're here on Carnival Horizon right now. Carnival Vista launched the day before Carnival Horizons, a second ship, and I believe um, Miracles in Alaska later this month. And Mardi Gras, we'll finally get to see that on the 31st of this month. And Breeze. And Breeze, that's right, yeah, Breeze too, in the middle of July. Uh, in the middle yeah. of July. Yeah. 15th. How do you decide what ships are going to return to service first? Well, I think we looked at obviously Alaska with such a short season. We wanted to make sure that we could get. Um, a ship to Alaska. Mm-hmm. A Miracle wasn't the original ship planned for Alaska, right. but she happened to be on the West Coast, so it was logical um, to, to make her the carnival ship for this season. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, I think for us looking at Florida and Texas, where we have scale in terms of the number of ships that we operate, 
um, the, the port operation, being able to get um, especially our Vista-class ships because, as you know, we've constrained capacity. Mm-hmm. So using the bigger ships as the restart ships and then working uh, to get crew back as quickly as we could, make sure we could get them vaccinated and both in Florida and then also in Texas, we were provided vaccines and were able to do that. Do you find that the ports are working with you in the most part? Like we want cruising back here because it's such an economic booster to our area. Absolutely. I think we we know, especially in places like Florida, which mm-hmm. have so many different uh, cruise ports, uh, but also in Texas where Galveston is growing, but other communities as well. Mobile, Alabama actually vaccinated crew members for us right, on sensation. And so I would say the same clearly for Alaska, where we know how devastating it was for that community to lose last year's season and again you know to be able to get started and at least salvage some of this year's season was so important to the people of Alaska. And right now we're sailing at about 70 percent occupancy. Is there a plan to start ramping that up or is it kind of a a wait and see thing? I think based on how things are going we're our plan is is to ramp up but as you said everything has been fluid Mm. and so we really take one day at a time i feel very comfortable i hope you do as well since you're on board with us that we can see a path towards adding back more people as we go forward yeah a few minutes ago i was telling john that um i sailed another line last week and it was so insane how normal it felt I'm actually getting emotional talking about it because like, it's just, it's like where we left off 16 months ago. And I felt the same thing here because it's just like you walk onto the ship and, and I'm having people message me saying, how is it with uh, wearing a mask, the whole cruise and all this stuff? And I'm like, there isn't any. And I, I think there, there needs to be some kind of uh, outreach or awareness for people who, who are misinformed. Well, as you know, these cruises, and I think the one you were on before this one, are primarily vaccinated guests. So Mm -hmm. that really gives us a lot more ability to deliver the kind of cruise experience that you described, which feels very, very normal. The other route where you have more open and more unvaccinated puts a lot of different requirements and restrictions, not only on those that are unvaccinated, but also those that are vaccinated, which is why as difficult a decision as it was for me, because we normally sail with so many family and young children, we did decide that it was best for restart to start off with vaccinated. And shifting gears here, June 4th, we brought in Mardi Gras to Port Canaveral for the first time from Barcelona, where it's been laid up for a couple of months. And I saw that you and Arnold Donald, I believe, were on the roller coaster up there, right? On the on, on Bolt. Mardi Gras is a departure from other Carnival Cruise Line ships. Is that what's to come with Carnival? More of these as we see this ship, and then we see Celebration, and then we see the ship you're getting from Aida. More coolness at sea? Well, I think certainly, in, uh, you know, the, the XL class for Carnival Corporation is just an amazing platform for us. And mm. besides being the first liquefied natural gas ship here in the Americas, the features that we've put on Mardi Gras and the space in which we can create uh, fun experiences for the guests mm-hmm. really allowed our teams to, uh, you know, push out outside of the box. So I have to say... 
and I was very involved with the process as we were designing and making decisions about Mardi Gras. Mm -hmm. Seeing her and actually being on that ship is well beyond uh, my expectation. She's a beautiful ship. To your point, very, very different. Mm -hmm. And so I think guests will take some time to really explore all of the different zones on the ship what the ship has to offer. But while we're taking uh, the third XL that we announced recently, we're also taking a ship from our sister okay. brand with Costa Magica. And, you know, there are people who prefer smaller ships. We know there's also a number of ports where we can't bring mm -hmm. an XL ship. We're building a new terminal in Miami as we speak for Celebration's arrival. We haven't yet made the announcement about where the third Excel will be going, but not every place can take Excel and not every guest. Sure. So I think you've seen the investments that we've made with some of the older ships, our Sunshine class, where we're really able to transform ships, adding the FunShip 2.0 features and other guest experiences that our guests love. I've been really studying the deck plans of Mardi Gras, and it seems like you might have to do it back-to-back -back in order to dine everywhere and take everything in. Well, that's the idea, right? Really? You, want, you always want a guest, whether right. it's in your home or on the ship, <laughs> to want for more. And I think people will really find their favorite spots, and it's so different whether you're up on the playground deck or whether you're in Serenity or the new Loft 19. It's, it's very, very different, and, uh, but, but she's a beautiful ship. What message would you tell the cruiser? They might be on the fence about coming back because of everything they're seeing out there. Well, first and foremost, we are encouraging everyone to please get vaccinated if you can, because I think that really is what drives the, the, the protocols and the decisions for whether people have to wear a mask or not. Mm -hmm. There will be more restrictions for people who are sailing without vaccines. And we're very hopeful that with clinical trials that are taking place now, that children under the age of 12 will have an option to be vaccinated. As you know, we're not operating our um, ocean camp on this cruise and that mm. only vaccinated teenagers are able to participate in, in some of the camps that we have for kids. So this has been fluid, as we said, and continues to evolve in what we hope is a positive way. And we're really working to scale up and ramp up uh, the entire fleet. Well, looking forward to getting more ships out there and getting back out there more myself. We've been talking with Carnival Cruise Lines President Christine Duffy. Christine, always a pleasure seeing you. Thank you so much, Doug, and welcome back. Absolutely. If you missed any part of the show or want to hear more, go to cruiseradio.net and click on Radio Channel or go to iTunes and search Cruise Radio. Follow us on Twitter at Cruise Radio. Follow me. I'm here with Carnival's brand ambassador, John Hilden. John, it's been, gosh, about a year and a half, hasn't it? 16 months and it felt like 16 years but we're back so i want to go back a couple of weeks ago did the fact that you were n nearly not able to take this cruise did it make it that more special once you actually boarded yes it definitely did um i got um 16 months of emotion all built up and my reward for spending 15 hours a day answering an average of three to 4,000 questions a week was this cruise. And so when you drive two and a half hours to Heathrow Airport and when you've got your ticket and you've got your letter and you think you've got everything you need and then you're told, no, protocols have changed, you can't get on the plane, I got a little emotional. My videos usually get quite a lot of views, but the one where I 
had tears in my eyes, got over a million. So I'm just going to cry in every video from now yeah. on. <laughs> Including now. <laughs> what was going through your mind, though? Like, like all of us, you crossed that gangway for the first time in 16 months. It's really hard to put that into words. It was a mixture of, of exuberance. It was a mixture of just sheer joy. And it was also, it was quite surreal because... It's, am- it's amazing how everything just immediately clicks into place, you know, seeing the crew and saying hello. And, you know, there are many times when I walk around that you actually forget that we've had a pandemic. I mean, such is the, the joy of the guests, such is the, the normality of cruising and everything we're doing. It's only now and then, you know, you see a crew member with a face mask on or you see the signs that say, you know, about uh, COVID that we have around that. It's easy to forget because everybody is so supercharged to have fun that we're back again. I was on a ship last week too, um, another cruise line, and it was the same way. It felt like um, we picked up where we left off, and it feels the same thing, stepping on horizon. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I think um, for the whole cruise industry, whether it's this cruise line or any of the other cruise lines, uh, it's important that we do it right. And I think that's the most important thing, that we do what we're doing now. Yes, there are some changes. Yes, there are some differences. But the foundation, the bedrock is still here. And that's the crew and the fun and the the saying goodbye to the problems of the world and the ocean taking us away from all of that. It's just extraordinary. And it is, you're absolutely right. It doesn't feel that much different. As the brand ambassador for Carnival Cruise Line, how important was transparency for you? More so than ever. I think my job was to keep people connected to the cruise line. Um, I felt that during these 16 months, we had to, even if there was nothing to say, we had to say something because silence can be mistaken for an uncaring company, which we're not. Silence can be taken for that there's problems deeper than than, than there wasn't. Um, So my job really was to be transparent and and try and just keep people connected. And I have to say that I believe that our particular brand, Carnival, has the most loyal, the most fervent guests who have a a massive desire to cruise again. What do you think it is about you that makes people so excited to cruise with you. I mean, people will change their vacation schedule just to, to be on your sailing. Pretty sexy. Mm-hmm. Okay, aside from the looks and the hot body. The hot body, yeah. Two words I never thought we'd ever do in one of our interviews. Hot body. Um, I, you know what? I don't know. I, I can only answer this, and it's really hard to, to make it to answer that question without sounding patronizing. So please, please forgive me if this comes across as that. Um, a wise man once said to me when I was learning to be a cruise director that the best cruise directors are the ones who are the same off the microphone as they are on it. A lot of people pick up a microphone and feel they have to become someone else when they're on stage. When I was a cruise director, I always tried my very best to live by that adage that I was going to be the same off stage as I was on, that I wasn't going to become this, hey, how you doing kind of guy, and then off stage be something completely different and run away from from people. So I th- I hope it's just because I'm, I'm just a, an average, pretty ugly looking, down to earth, slightly cheeky type of chap who probably says things he shouldn't and does things he shouldn't but at the end of the day i like to 
think that I've got a big heart and I really do care about this company. I care about the crew and I care about every single guest who comes on board and I truly want them to have the best of times. When you were on the ship more so than you are now, like back in the day, like when you were starting out and for the first, what, 30 years or so, how did you say charged up the whole time? Uh, listen, the, the cruise directors these days, they've got more energy than a energizer bunny that's just fallen in a vat of red bull and uh i i I don't know for me it was it was just the sheer joy of doing it right there is no better drug in the world than standing on stage and making a thousand people laugh yeah and that was it for me right i mean i never trained to do this i never had a plan to do this and yet i'm uh, i'm a lucky sod here i am you know talking to you for the last 12 years uh, I've watched your company grow and you've watched our company grow and we've faced this adversity that all of us have been through together and uh, in a way it's just one big connected family. I know you've been in the UK for the past year and a half but have you actually have you walked on board Mardi Gras yet? No it's really weird Um, I wanted to go to Barcelona because that's just a couple of hours flight but they, they closed the border to us Brits because they, you know, we're all lepers and stuff. Um, so I couldn't go on. And then they opened the borders, but I still couldn't go on because I would have had to have done 12 days in quarantine on the ship. And then she left and came home to Port Canaveral. And I still couldn't go because the borders aren't officially open for the United States for us Brits yet. And um, no, I haven't. But, you know, I can't wait. I got to visit her her. The P&O XL class ship Iona, and uh, that was spectacular, and I just cannot wait. But I'll be there on the 25th when she comes back to Miami for uh, a few days, and then I'll sail her back to Port Canaveral. Got a couple of listener questions here. Um, The first question is from Scott. It actually says, when will we start seeing you doing some walkies aboard Mardi Gras? What the hell? What is walkies? Okay, so I've been doing those all week. Um, It's... It's my word for walking around the ship with me holding my iPhone and hogging the bandwidth and doing stuff that, you know, is pretty unprofessional because I don't have a stick like you've got and all the... Me pointing the camera at everyday unedited life on board, whether it's breakfast time or whether it's... uh, I just did one... uh, at the, the, with the cast doing their sound check before their very first live performance mm-hmm. uh, back again or later tonight I'll be in the piano bar uh, filming you know the dining just life on board and that's me walking around the ship although I should call it waddling because I find that I'm waddling more than walking these days Rachel has this one the past 15 months were a dark time for everyone in the cruise industry says Rachel um, as the face of carnival was it tough to keep smiling in the wake of one bit of bad news after another that's a really great question, um, and I'm going to give you the truthful answer as always. Yes, it was. Um, it was. There were days when I received the information to say we're going to be cancelling August cruises, for example, where I really had to say to myself, come on, pull yourself together, because I couldn't go on and say it with a sad face. I had to give people hope. The hardest days for me were the cancellations, but also seeing fantasy, imagination, inspiration beached. Those ships are ones that I brought out as a young cruise director and delivered so many personal memories. And to see those ships just driven on a beach and forgotten and turned into scrap were really hard. So there were some dark days, yes, but 
my job wasn't to be sad. My job was my job was to continue to give people hope, and I, hopefully, I did. Next question here: If you could travel back in time and talk to young John as he's about to take his first job on a cruise ship, what advice would you give him looking back now? For me, probably the only thing that I would say to a young young cruise director would be probably to cherish and and make more and record things i have done so many shows with so many unforgettable moments where i never recorded anything i didn't film it i didn't have anybody film it and they're gone forever and i don't have those memories um but to be really honest i don't have anything i've been so lucky uh, to have a microphone and to entertain and and to have those people laugh and to provide hopefully memories for everybody but yeah, I really wouldn't change anything except don't eat just before you go to bed. Otherwise, you will end up looking like me. The book, you, the last time we spoke, you, well, actually it was like three years ago, but there was a book in the works. Is that still happening? The book is finished. Okay. I still have to write a pandemic chapter because you can't close the book without having this. And then I have the small hurdle of getting it past Vance from PR, mm-hmm. which, you know, might, you know, he's pretty savage with the pen. I don't think there's, I mean, there's nothing detrimental, there's nothing but truth and, and glowing praise and love for Carnival Cruise Line. But I think it would probably be best published um, when I am retired and living in a retirement home in Cleveland, sitting in a wipe down chair, sucking on a Werther's original. <laughs> I mean, have you thought of that? Like, what is what is next for you? Like, once you once you say, you know what, I've reached max capacity, I'm ready to walk. Like, where do you see yourself? I mean, daughter cheerleading game or uh, my daughter's into horses, so um, I, there will be nothing to do with horses. I can't stand the smell, and um, you know what? I honestly, to give the answer, I haven't given it a single thought because my mind has been so focused on on getting us back and. I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think possibly I will start a radio station dedicated to news and slowly move that into a website dedicated to cruise news. Um, and uh, no, I honestly don't know because right now I have no intention of stopping. I just, I, I don't think there's been a more important time to be, no. to be around for you especially and for me especially, for any of us who have the chance to spread not just Carnival's word but the, the, the cruise word and... You know, today uh, we had the uh, First Lady of uh, the Dominican Republic come to visit the ship and speak to the guests and say, you know, how incredibly uh, happy she and all of the people that live here are to see the ships back. The same happened with uh, uh, the, the people in, um, in Mahogany Bay, you know, were just flags and, and tears and happiness. St. Thomas with another cruise line, you know, the ships are coming back and all of us connected to the cruise industry, whether it's a website run by a young, handsome man, um, give my best to Matt, and uh, or whether it's some fat brand ambassador who we all love this industry and it's our job now to make sure that it grows from strength to strength. In closing here, I know we cut up a lot, but what you've done over the past 16 months, that's awesome because I, I definitely couldn't have done that. So, um, Thank you very much. Yeah, well, thank you so much for that, and uh, you do a wonderful job. I'm so happy that your radio station, your your website, is growing in strength. It's a place where people, including me, 
come to get news. I know what's going on in Carnival, but I have no idea what's happening with Royal Norwegian or Brand X or the others. And that's where I come. I come to Cruise Radio to get all the news. And um, I just uh, I just know that we're back. There are happier days coming, and all of us very soon will be remembering this in the history lessons that we'll be teaching the kids, and we'll all have moved forward and having fun again. Carnival Brand Ambassador John Hill. John, so good to see you, my friend. Thanks again. Thanks, mate. Pleasure. Thanks, Matt. Hanging out with Eddie Allen, Vice President of Beverage Jobs for Carnival Cruise Line. Good to see you, man. Yeah, great to see you. Welcome on board. Great to be on Horizon, right? I mean, after 16 months, sit here with you to talk and uh, look out the window at the beautiful weather we're having today. What a great day at Half Moon K, right? Yeah. A double header there too, and just a beautiful day both days. I want to. We'll talk shop in just a couple of moments. But how have you been over the past fifteen, sixteen months? Because it's had to be crazy for you. You know, it's been it's been a long pause. Not to have my team working has been probably the most challenging part. Um, I've been fortunate, you know, to be here and I've spent so much time with my six year old during the pause. But it's time to get back to work, and I'm grateful to be back on the ship. We first met in 2014. We're at a Cigar City Brewing Company event in Tampa. You rolled out their beer on one of your ships. For the folks who don't know you or haven't listened to past shows that you've been on, give us a little background about yourself. Like, where were you before Carnival Cruise Line? Well, as crazy as it sounds, this November will be 10 years wow. for me at Carnival Cruise Line. I joined, I moved to Miami on 11, 11, 11. Okay. And um, prior to that, you know, my background is not in cruise. My background's in beverage. Um, before working at Carnival, I ran Tau Group's beverage operations in Las Vegas for their properties, Tau, Lavo, and Marquis, as well as helping with properties in New York. Before that, I worked for Steven Starr and a few other operators in New York, opening and running restaurants like Morimoto and Budokan. But born and raised in Texas, seventh generation, you'll hear my y'alls come out a lot. <laughs> right. And uh, really, my, you know, my, my passion's wine. I'm in mm-hmm. this business because of my love for wine and my love for cocktails, but then also my love of taking care of people and specifically taking care of people on vacation. How has the shutdown changed the bar and beverage for Carnival Cruise Line? Well, fortunately, coming back at least with our first cruises with vaccinated guests, we haven't seen many changes at all. Our operations are still the same. Guests are sitting at the bar. Um, you know, our team's wearing masks and taking safety precautions. They're sanitizing tables and chairs between seatings. But really, it, it feels like we're back to normal for the most part, um, which I'm thrilled about. Same time, the shutdown's changed our guests. You know, everybody's coming back from making drinks at home, yeah. maybe a little stronger than they would at a bar. People are coming back with drinks and new things they like. I mean, we were selling seltzers before the pause, but if you look at the boom and the growth of the seltzer industry during the last 16 months, it's been incredible. What do you attribute that to? Because like I, I'm a big skier and over the winter we were skiing and always just packing almost it's like a, a case of seltzer every weekend to take up the mountain with us. Do you think it was just something um, like for the non-beer drinker, it's just approachable? As a beer drinker, we have to understand that there's a lot of people that have been drinking light beers all these years because they don't really like beer. Mm-hmm. And those people have gravitated straight to seltzer. But also see the, you know, the people that like a vodka soda. Well, a handful of vodka sodas can you know, get you pretty inebriated. Right. Where a couple <laughs> seltzer is not quite as bad. And plus the calories. You, know, there's, you look at someone drinking a gin and tonic, there's a lot more calories in that than there is in a Truly. Yeah, that's true. 
I want to shift gears here and talk about Carnival Mardi Gras. We're just like a week and a half away at this point. Um, talk to us about some of the, the bars, drinks, and concepts that you have on there because there's a, there's a lot of them on there. There's a lot of a lot of fun and a lot of new stuff on Mardi Gras. I think the one I am most excited about is Fortune Teller. Mm-hmm. It's in the French Quarter zone on Mardi Gras, and it's kind of whimsical, magical experience with cocktails created to uh, get guests excited and say, wow. Drinks like the Abracadabra that changes color when you add in the uh, magic sour mix, mm-hmm. or our new moon, which is made with activated charcoal and is a... Uh, a mezcal-based drink that has just this deep, dark black color and a black salt rim. I think one venue I'm most excited about is the Tiki Bar. Now, if I'm understanding this correctly, it's basically it's going to be around the pool, and it's a it's a two deck bar with. Uh, is it going to have its own special drinks or just your run of the mill pina colada, Miami Vice, strawberry daiquiri? No, this is a proper tiki bar. I'm extremely right. excited. We've been working on it for a few years now. Mm-hmm. It is two-story. Um, instead of having red versus blue on either corner of the bar, this is going to be a double-decker bar. The second story is right adjacent to Guy's Burger Joint, which I think is about the most convenient place we could put it. And it's both classic tiki drinks like Navy Grogs and Zombies, as well as new cocktails created by myself and my team. We'll be doing frozen drinks, pina coladas, of course. Mm-hmm. But the focus is on the classics. We also have the largest rum selection, I believe, of any cruise line. I know, you know, already with Red Frog Rum Bar and our pubs, we have an extensive rum selection. I'm adding another 15 or so to the Tiki Bar just to add a little bit more oomph and give a little bit more variety to our guests. Well, during the shutdown, did you have any like new drink ideas spark up? Because I know you were one of their brain uh, children of the Alchemy Bar. Um, any new things that you were maybe making at home that we could see on the ship? You know, when we started with our restart we wanted to bring the team back and right where we left off and not throw a bunch of new things at them and make them learn a ton of new drinks but of course the last 15 16 months not only myself but all of my team members have been sitting at home tinkering around and creating new things and so we will be bringing out new menus this fall what we started with before covid adding alchemy mixologist drinks to that menu is going to continue and highlighting you know some award-winning drinks and some of our guest favorite drinks from our team we're looking at what we can do in the steakhouse and upgrading that program. It's all my favorite bar on board, I think, is the steakhouse. And um, how can we increase and give a better offer there? Just for clarification here. So, okay, so I go to the Havana bar like I was the other day. And I asked for a menu and then I saw the little QR code on the table at the bar. But if I actually wanted to see a physical menu, could I ask the bartender for one and he can hand me one? Or am I stuck with using a phone, carrying my phone with me all day and scanning everything I see. I have to be honest. I cannot stand QR codes and I cannot wait for them to go away in every restaurant. But as part of our restart procedure and to protect our guests and our crew, we are using QR codes now. I have menus at all of our bars for a guest who doesn't have a phone or has difficulty reading. So we can provide you with a menu, but we do have QR codes. They are extremely easy to work and with our upgrades to the hub app yeah everybody's got their phone now i mean i've been on the hub app all day long yeah yeah i'm loving the upgrades i'm really loving the mustard drill on there too it makes it like 10 times easier uh, a couple of listener questions here for you so a listener was at the heroes bar on carnival panorama and wants to know if that bar is ever going to expand to the other ships and if so when you know i am really proud of heroes that was i mean highlight for me on panorama 
I was just on Mardi Gras last week with a beautiful Heroes Lounge back in Summer Landing next to Pig and Anchor. And we do have plans to expand Heroes on other ships throughout um, Dry Docks. My favorite drink in there. I forgot what it's called, but it has Tang in it. Look, I'm a child of the 80s. I love NASA and Tang and everything <laughs> that's space-related. Um, just such a nostalgic flavor for us to bring back. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, second question, will you ever accept the Cheers package on Half Moon Key? Man, you know, that's such a great question, and I wish I could. But it, yes, it's a private island, but it still has to do with bohemian taxes, policies, regulations, and we have to abide by all that. So just like we don't offer it at Princess K, um, we're not able to offer it at Half Moon K either. Okay, fair enough. Okay, here's another one. Bottled water. Why can I buy a $20 drink at a bar, but I can't get a $4 bottle of water? Really, at the end of the day, it has to do with our inventories. We provide unlimited non-alcoholic beverages with the Cheers package, and that includes unlimited bottled still and sparkling water. Because we buy such a large quantity and we have a limited amount of storage space, we buy mostly 500 ml bottles of water. Mm -hmm. It is what people want, and so that's why it's what's included in the Cheers package. But again... You can have three of them. You can have five yeah. of them. You can have 10 of them. If you're like me, I mean, I try to drink a couple of liters a day. Yeah, uh, same here. Uh, last listener question here. Um, when are you bringing the wine and whiskey tastings back? Well, this one is a great question, too. It made me smile. We are currently working on new wine tastings with the hopes to, um, by the end of the year, introduce wine tastings in our steakhouse for a regular wine tasting as well as a secondary premium wine tasting. We're also looking to do wine tastings of a Cucina. Why shouldn't we do a taste of Italy yeah. with small pairings with it? Through COVID, we've been working with this. My team's on it. We can't wait to have alchemy classes, our master mixologist class, uh, whiskey master class, as well as our brewery tours back. All part of our carnival education. Very good. I think I've asked you enough questions, ma'am. I've been talking with Eddie Allen, VP of Beverage Ops for Carnival Cruise Line. Good seeing you, buddy. Yeah, great seeing you. I can't wait to see everybody on board. All right, Dougie. Let's see what we got for you, buddy. Cruise Radio is produced at the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. Get cruise news, ship reviews, and money-saving tips every Thursday on Cruise Radio. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show. If you want to help spread the word, give Cruise Radio a five-star review. Find Cruise Radio where you listen to your favorite podcast or online at CruiseRadio.net. I'm your announcer.